Hey, this is Erin Lindstrom, and you're listening to Thank You For You. This is a show about celebrating and acknowledging our humanness as well as our beingness, the easy and the hard, the gifts and the (laughs) gifts we don't really like but choose to accept anyway. This is a show about and for people in pursuit of more peace, more joy, more money, more justice, and more of the awe that life has to give us. Thank you for being here, and thank you for you. Welcome back. It's a new year. And today on the podcast, you get to meet the incredible Casey Handy Smith. So Casey and I met through uh, some mutual business besties um, who I love and adore. Um, And we hit it off. I worked on some copy for her and she's incredible. I love writing copy because I get to hear people's stories. And when I heard Casey's, I was like, Wow. <laughs> um, and I knew I wanted to have her on the podcast and she'd share some of that with us in the episode. Um, so I'm pumped to share it with you. Before we get there, I will share her official bio with you. So Casey Handy Smith is the founder of C Handy Law, a boutique entertainment and digital media law firm serving the contractual needs of influencers, thought leaders, and creators. Casey has helped influencers and creators navigate the legal side of their creative businesses for years. She's an advocate for culture creators and with the help of her team at See Handy Law. She works tirelessly to help creatives build businesses built for impact. She wholeheartedly believes that every creative should have the resources to live their wildest dreams with the security of knowing their hard work is sound and secure. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let us know, you know, in the comments, you can leave a review. You can let me know on Instagram, uh, but enjoy and talk to you soon. All right, we're here. Casey, thank you so much for joining me on Thank You For You. Thank you, Erin, so much for having me. Really happy to be here. Yeah, I am so excited. So a little bit of background, Casey and I have worked together. And as I was writing some emails for her and reading like the emails she had written, I was really taken by her story. And I'm really excited for her to share some of that today. And Casey, before we kind of like dive in, uh, I would love to know... (laughs) <laughs> and you are welcome to interpret this question however you would like. I trust it'll take us where we need to go. Um, who are you and how did you get here? Wow. Yeah, that is a very, that's a great question. Um, could go a lot of different ways with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Who am I and how did I get here? So I know that you've already shared a bit of my bio with your listeners Um, But just to, I guess, kind of reiterate in terms of who I am, um, I'm an attorney. I handle entertainment and intellectual property law matters. um, And I work with influencers and creative entrepreneurs in helping them to really navigate the legal aspects of their growing businesses and brands, um, particularly as it relates to contracts and helping Mm -hmm. folks really negotiate fair deals um, and protecting their intellectual property in the process. And so, in terms of who I am, I think. A lot of people always, I think another way of asking is almost like, you know, what made me become a lawyer? Because uh, I get that question a lot too. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you go into law? And so for me, I never necessarily wanted to be a lawyer. Like as a kid, it wasn't something that, you know, when they asked you in kindergarten, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Um, for me, it was not a lawyer. I actually really wanted to be a veterinarian because I love animals. <laughs> um to this day, however, I still do not have a pet because my husband is, that's another 
<laughs> that's another episode. That's another that's another episode. But no, I love him. And we're yeah, we're talking about it more now and getting ready to move and all that stuff. So we'll have more space uh, for pets. So I'm excited about that. But um as a kid, I really wanted to be a vet because I just loved animals and I was really intrigued by animals and all that jazz. Um, but outside of um kind of just a love for animals, I've always had this love for music. Um growing up, I played the piano. I started playing when I was six years old. Um, and I played really my whole life. I still play now, not as often as I did growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. But growing up, I was classically trained. I used to do like regional and local competitions. Um, I was a complete band geek. Like as soon as I got into school <laughs> and was able to get into the band, then I started dabbling into other instruments. So In school, my primary instrument was the flute, because for those of you music nerds listening, you know that it's in the same key as the piano. So it was actually pretty easy for me to pick up uh, in the sixth grade when I started playing the flute. Then once I got to high school, I picked up a couple of other instruments. I played the oboe in one band, um, played the piano in a different band. So I was in like three bands playing things. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I was a complete, I even took like AP music theory. So I was a complete like music kid yeah Um, in it yeah definitely definitely in it and so I'm trying to get to I guess how I got to where I am today so from all of that um and just a little bit more background I guess my family is all quite um, musical as well um everyone plays some instrument or sings or does something and so that shared love for music was something that I always grew up with and always grew up around Um, But it wasn't until I got to college and even before college when I started to learn a little bit about my family history um, in terms of, uh, you know, various individuals doing different things within the music industry that I started to become more interested in the business side of the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, I started to see and notice how much uh, creatives, particularly creatives of color, Black uh, people, Um, tend to be quite creative and everyone seems to capitalize off of our creativity more so than we capitalize off of it ourselves. And so Mm. for me, when I got to college, I started taking courses in music business where I was learning, you know, the business side of the industry and really understanding how deals are made and how all that stuff works. Um, Because I just was very, I just became very passionate about, well, if we're this passionate about just creating music and being on the musical side of it, you know, how much more uh, exciting would it be if we could take our talents and actually uh, leverage those talents and start to generate uh, wealth within our community off of the natural uh, innate talents um, that we already have. And so that's a little bit, I guess, about how I got here. Um, yeah. I feel like that was a bit all over the place, but yeah, you I love it. where you want to go from there. <laughs> No, it's so good. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so interesting to me too, that like your whole family is musical. I think that's so beautiful. Um, When you were kind of like growing up and kind of making these choices as you went to college and then decided to pursue business and then law from that, um, is that something that your family was always on board with? Or were you like, were there messages to go in other directions or how did that work? Hmm, That's a good question. Um, My family was on board once I decided and said like, oh, this is the, you know, I think I'm really um, interested in doing law. And so since I started college, I was I was on the legal path as soon as I started undergrad. So I will say 
that I did make that decision fairly early on uh, compared to some of my peers. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, my family was very supportive. But the funny thing was, I didn't have any lawyers in my family. And so and when I say in my family, I mean, like, even my extended family, I think I might have some distant cousins, yeah, like lawyers I don't know in any capacity. <laughs> and so it was very, it was an interesting journey because once I made that known, you know, my parents started to do a lot to try to introduce me to people who mm-hmm. could help me in that path. Because for them, it was kind of like, oh, that's awesome. That's, that's what you want to do. They're like, you've always been very driven. We know you can do whatever you decide, you know, you put your mind to. I mean, that you decide you want to do, but it's like, but well, we have no idea how to actually help you get there <laughs> because mm-hmm. no one knew, you know, what it meant to really be a lawyer. I mean, all of my family, uh, for the most part, it's like, you know, college grads, um, but, you know, most of them with the education route. My mom was a school teacher for 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad worked for the federal government, federal government uh, before he became a pastor. And that's you know, another story, Oh, fun. I, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of dynamics there. Um, and so he was actually the one who kind of, because of his work um, in the federal government, he, you know, had, he had various attorneys that he like knew and had met through his, through his job. And so that's actually how I ended up getting mentors in the legal space. Um, one attorney in particular is a prosecutor in Cincinnati, which is where um, I grew up. Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was brought into this program called SWELL, uh, which stands for Summer Work Experience in Law. And basically it's a, it's a organization that was founded by the Cincinnati uh, Bar Association, the Black Cincinnati Bar Association. Don't quote me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, um, but basically the program was for like minority students who are interested in the law. Um, and so we did a lot of internships through there. We toured and traveled to see different law schools and all that. Um, so, yeah, so that was really my way of getting into the legal industry. Amazing. And like along that journey, and then I imagine, you know, jumping into the online world was definitely an interesting thing for me. Most of my family still to this day doesn't really quite understand what I do. My grandma asks me how my blog is. <laughs> um, and so I imagine like, was your step into the virtual world also a bit of a transition or how did that go? Yeah, I mean, my family just knows that, like, Casey is fine. Mm. Like, they're always just like, okay, you're smart. You've always been smart. You've always figured it out. We've never been 100% sure about, you know, what exactly it is that you do. But for Mm -hmm. them, it's at least easy for them to be like, oh, yeah, she's a lawyer. Um, So it's kind of like their (laughs) go-to. Like, yeah, they don't really know, like, what I actually do in my practice. But they can, you know, they have that good sound bite. Um, yeah. So. Yep. And lawyer keeps it like very crisp and clear. Like we all, we understand yep. what that means, right? Yep. <laughs> Amazing. So as you kind of like navigated all of this, I would love to know a little bit about like your mindset and it sounds like your family kind of trusted you, right? And did you have that same self-trust or is that something that you kind of had to build over time? Like how has it been to navigate the, I can do anything I want waters? Hmm. For me, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew I always wanted to work for myself and build out various things. Now, granted, when I, you know, knew I wanted to do this, I had no clue how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, it was just like, oh, that's what I want to do. And one of my closest mentors who I actually met in that program, I mentioned a moment ago, um, is an entertainment attorney based in LA who does, uh, who's had her own firm and her own business 
several business ventures for years. And so I'd always kind of look up to her and her business model and how she's done things. Um, But as you know, I mean, entrepreneurship is a bumpy ride, Mm -hmm. uh, to say the least. (laughs) And so even when I am, you know, constantly in that mindset of, okay, this is what I'm doing. Definitely doubt creeps in, um, fear creeps in. I've definitely had times in my journey that I'm like, okay, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, I know I said, I always wanted to do this, but is this really, you know, what, what it is? Because this is really hard and this is a lot. Right, right. Um, and so in terms of building that trust for myself, is it's really just been not being afraid to take those losses and then learning from them yeah. and turning around and figuring out, you know, how to how to propel from there. Yeah, I think that's so important. Once you can kind of be like, all right, well, I know I'm going to fail no matter what I do in some way, <laughs> shape or form. Like, how am I going to learn from it? I think that changes everything. So yep. many people like don't take action because they're afraid to fail. But really, like once you learn how to learn from the failing, you're kind of golden in whatever you do because you're progressing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I know that we have kind of like spoken and most of the time with the entrepreneurs that I kind of like end up with, I feel like there's two things that are important when it comes to growing businesses. One of them, of course, is income because these are businesses that we're running. And the other is impact. And I would love to hear a little bit for you what that kind of like looks like. What do you care about? Like what what drives you? What drives me is really the people that I serve. And the people that I reach um, within my community. So I have, it's always so fulfilling to me when people reach out to me and say, oh my goodness, thank you so much for this resource or thank you for this content because I really needed that. You know, I really, um, you know, this, this is what I've been looking for. And so I would say, honestly, my community and the clients that I serve um, really fuel me. Um, I love being able to help my clients navigate some of their most exciting opportunities. So I get to oftentimes see folks from, you know, Hey, I've been doing this stuff on my own, just trying to make it. And now I'm being presented with this amazing opportunity. And I get to be one of the first people that kind of holds their hand through that process of like, okay, you know, these are the terms of the contract. This is what we should be looking for and asking for. And it's always just very exciting to me and rewarding to get them to the other side of that um, and then see their businesses and their careers really grow from there. And so I would just say, honestly, the people that I serve uh, are what keep me going because I know that the work I'm doing is impactful um, because otherwise, you know, if they were out here going it alone, there would be so many things (laughs) that they would be missing and that they wouldn't be, that they wouldn't really be gaining. And so, yeah, I would say, my community and my clients. Yeah, I love that. And it sounds like you really being of service, like in that way, like you really are in some ways, like partnering with them as they're going through a time and there's all of these unknowns. And it's so helpful to have someone who like understands the world and the jargon and all of that to um, really create uh, what we're trying to create. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, one of the things that I know comes up sometimes. So you have like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you have like your actual legal practice. And then you also have a contract shop. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Okay. And so one of the things with the contract shop, I always think it's so fascinating for entrepreneurs who are kind of just getting started out. Um, they have to, or 
maybe this isn't for everyone. So <laughs> with an asterisk here that obviously everyone has their own um, path and fears and all of that jazz. Um, but a lot of times what I see with my clients is that they're kind of picking and choosing what to invest in before they move forward. And like, what is the most important and what do I need? And a lot of times like the like contracts and agreements come up and the, oh gosh, I'm scared to invest and they look in another direction. Um, but I feel like what we both know is that the legal piece of the puzzle is so important. And I feel like hearing some of your stories, like if you don't do it up front, you end up paying for it down the line. Um, So I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about like, for someone who is kind of starting out and really thinking about like, all right, where do I start with all of this? What is important? And why? Can you kind of share a little bit of your uh, feelings around that? Yeah, I would say for anyone who is starting out, you have to always have the end in mind. So you may be, you know, just starting now and you don't have a lot of startup capital and you're kind of thinking about, okay, how am I going to get my first few clients? But one of the biggest things of being an entrepreneur, so, you know, aside from just talking about the legal stuff or the technicalities is really having vision. Like you have to, the whole, the whole role of a CEO is to be the one who, you know, you guide the business, you have a vision, you guide your team in that process. And so, you know, even if you don't have a team yet, um, even if you, you're really just starting at the very, very beginning, I would say step one is to always keep the end in mind. So when with having the end in mind, you have to think about, okay, for those folks who are operating at that really high level that I ultimately want to get to, what are the things that make up their business in order to for them to be able to get there? Like, how were they able to get there? And the legal piece of things people overlook so often, but the legal foundation, I would say legal and accounting, so finances, are really two of the most critical foundational pieces that you need in your business in order to actually become a successful business. Because there's a lot of things that if you don't have those things in place, you can't even get to you know, the, the smallest next level. Um, I'm using small in, just, right, right. You know, in terms of how you're on your path. Mm-hmm. And so a good example would be, you know, this year, everything that's been going on with COVID, um, you know, the government was offering a lot of assistance and resources to businesses um, during this time. And a lot of people could not get those resources because they didn't have paperwork in order. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not a formal legal entity, if you don't actually have a formal business in place, um, you know, you can't get that type of uh, that type of help and assistance at times like this. If you don't have certain documentation that you've been keeping as it relates to your finances. Um, so a lot of entrepreneurs, I think this year has been a huge wake up call for all of us in a lot of regards. But I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, particularly those who are kind of starting out, are seeing that like, OK, it's important for me to have stuff together from the beginning so that I can really you know, be able to operate as an actual business. And so, I mean, my mindset around that is it's never too early um, to start and you need to always have the end in mind and be taking steps to constantly building out your business as an actual business. Like I think people get so stuck in that mindset of like, oh, it's just me. I'm the one doing everything in my business, but it's like, but you're not going to always be that way. Right, um, right. Unless you want to be, you know, if, if you want to build a business that's all based around you and if something happens to you tomorrow, you know, your business is just <laughs> crumbles, uh, you know, then that's that's one thing. But if you're looking to build something out that's really going to 
really going to grow and that can impact people on a larger level, you have to think beyond yourself and you have to start operating in that larger capacity from day one. Mm, that makes so much sense. I love the idea of like, start by thinking about like the end, <laughs> like where are we actually driving this car? Cause that's the only way we're going to get to the destination. And then like, what kind of supplies do you actually need? I love that. Would you, do you think that when it comes to like investing in law stuff, is there, are there like underlying fears and mindset stuff that holds people back? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's always in business, <coughs> excuse me, that idea of, especially when you're kind of starting out and you haven't made a lot of money yet, you know, there's always that idea of like, well, I have, I don't have money coming in. Like I can't afford to have money going out. Um, but what I will say, I know in my experience in business, uh, which has been several years at this point is every time I've made an investment, I've always gotten the return mm. in some capacity. And so you have to, and that's why, I mean, it's an investment, right? And not an expense because it is something that you truly need. So I think that, you know, when you're starting out, you definitely want to be clear with yourself and real with yourself about where you are and what things you really need to get to that next step of what it is, whatever it is that you're doing and not being afraid to make those investments. But yeah, I think the biggest piece is definitely fear when it comes to the mindset of making investments and, and really operating in that kind of broke mentality, you know, that I don't have any money. I probably won't have any money next month. So why would I spend this money to do this? You know? So I think there's, I think we all have a lot of preconceived notions about money and how all of that works when it comes to investing. Um, And so I think the earlier you can start to work on your mindset um, around the money piece, the better off you'll be in business. And this is coming from someone who has had to do and continues to do a lot of mindset work, um, especially as it relates to money. So mm-hmm. I know it's not easy, um, but it's definitely the work that has to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. And like it is an ongoing evolution because uh, you're with yourself the whole time you're in business. <laughs> and so it's like that constant like, all right, now I'm here. Uh, and I think you make such a good point because with the investing, like if you're looking for a return, the return comes from you. So you, I think a lot of times people are like, well, I spent on this and I didn't make any money directly back on the thing. But if we're looking at the bigger picture, whenever we spend money, it's like, okay, how are you taking that? Whether it's actually having the contracts and then feeling good so you can actually show up and sell or what. And with the legal stuff in particular, I think it's interesting because um, a lot of times what I find too is that there's underlying stuff about like the rules and safety that all comes up with money mindset that is also around like legal stuff. Um, and so a lot of times there's actually like some healing work to be done there just at like looking at what are we actually avoiding? Are you actually afraid of betting on yourself? Are you actually afraid like, and just how is it affecting you to not invest? Because a lot of times, even though you haven't done it and because you're committed to making more money before you invest, you won't show up and make that money because there's a part of you that's scared that you're not legally protected. So it doesn't really matter anyway. So you kind of have to allow yourself to receive the support and legal is a big piece of that puzzle. Yeah, for sure. And I love, I love the way you frame that um, because that is such a real thing that I see with entrepreneurs all the time is, you know, when you don't have that solid legal foundation in place, when you don't have that solid, you know, financial framework in your business, when it comes to your bookkeeping and your accounting, it can be really hard to make those bigger move steps because you know that 
okay, if I kind of get to this next level, will I be exposed almost for not, you know, having these things in place? Or, you know, you get to a point where you're even putting so much more at risk um, as you continue to grow in your business. You know, you may not have a lot right now. And so you may feel like, okay, you know, not a big deal if I don't have uh, this contract in place uh, for my coaching services, for instance. Um, But the thing I think people tend to not realize as well with the legal is there's a lot of things that uh, contracts in particular, that's what I specialize in, really protect you from and an outline for you that you may not even be aware of. So a good example of that is intellectual property. So in the online space, in the entertainment industry, all the spaces um, that I work in, you know, intellectual property is a huge part of everything that you do. So even if you are a coach or a consultant and you're thinking, okay, you know, this client contract, this client is going to pay me 1200 bucks uh, for, I don't know, VIP day or something. Right. And mm-hmm. so you're thinking, okay, what's the big deal if, you know, they don't pay. I mean, listening, you may be thinking that is a big deal. They don't pay. Right. But right, right. Maybe you're thinking like, okay, $1,200, like I can make that back, like not the end of the world. But if you have a situation where you shared uh, information with them that was confidential to your business or was something that was unique to your business. So some of your intellectual property that you may have shared with them um, in your exchange, if they go then and now take, I, I don't know, your the name of your signature course, or they take some of your course uh, content. Um, so now you're looking at a much bigger situation well beyond $1,200 for the service fee, right? Mm-hmm. Like now you're looking at the actual value of your creativity. You know, how do you even go about um, breaking down what that sort of thing is worth? And that's really what um, contracts and having those things in place from the beginning help you to navigate those sort of situations. So if something like that happens, you can clearly go to the contract and say, okay, this is what has to be done. This is how we're going to resolve this. And it also gives you a framework for how you even kind of quantify um, that sort of thing. And so I think, you know, it's a lot of things, as you said, that people tend to kind of overlook and not realize that, yeah, there's much more to it than what may look, what may appear to be just on the surface. Yeah. I love what you just said about like the value of your creativity. I think so many times, like we don't even realize like the things that you're creating and sharing with your clients when you are like a transformational leader, like there's gold in there and that is yours to protect. And you do deserve to actually have the uh, vehicles in place to actually protect that. Uh, So I just love that perspective. Thank you. Would you, is there anything like if you could share one thing that you want people to really like take away if they're listening to this, like, what do you feel like your message is? Um, okay. So on the entrepreneur leg, so starting there, I'll say uh, what I said before, which is start with the end in mind. I think if I had started my business really and truly focused and hyper-focused on what I ultimately wanted things to look like for me and how I ultimately wanted my business to go, I would have grown a lot faster and I would have taken a lot more risk um, and made a lot more investments from the beginning to really get there. Um, and in that same light of having, of keeping the end in mind, uh, another takeaway I would say would be um, getting you a mentor and getting around people who are already where you want to be so that you can see exactly what tools and what resources they're using and how they were able to get there. And once you have that information, once you've been equipped with that, get those things in place. You know, don't wait. Uh, the sooner you have these things in place, 
the better. Um, so along the lines of the legal side of things, like don't delay. Um, go ahead and get those things in place because once you have that solid foundation, you'll be able to really propel in your business and you'll be able to take bigger risks. And having that clarity and that confidence and knowing that um, you're protected and knowing you know exactly what is involved in your various uh, business endeavors. So not being afraid to really dig into the nitty gritty of business, the not so fun or sexy stuff uh, that pertains to business, um, but that you absolutely have to dig in with if you really want to fully see um, that end goal in mind. Mm, I love it. I love how you're like, take big risks and also like protect yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it sounds like you're not saying, I think a lot of times we don't want to be like limited by what we can do. And so I just love that message too of like, you can do this, take the chance, bet on yourself. And part of taking that bet and making it a good bet is making sure that like you're covered. Exactly. Oh, so smart. Well, Casey, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. And thank you so much for, you know, the work that you're doing in the world, for showing up for your clients and really like sincerely, thank you for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Hey, it's Erin. And I want you to know that you matter. Everything you're doing and everything you've done, it all matters. It all counts because you are important to the people around you, your family and friends, your audience, your clients, and quite honestly, to the world. Whether you're changing lives on the front line or changing lives while you're changing diapers, your presence matters. Every life you touch counts. And from just one interaction, there can be infinite, meaningful effects. And for that reason, I want to thank you for showing up and doing the work to be with yourself and share your light and your gifts and your love with those around you. If you want support with any of this human being stuff, you're always welcome to join me inside of my coaching membership, Human Being Club at humanbeingclub.com or follow along with me on Instagram for more behind the scenes, silly stuff at Erin Lindstrom. Once again, thank you for being here and thank you for you.